3: Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Happy Saturday. It is, we're into March. We're into March, which means free agency is coming up in the NFL real soon. I am Jason Perrone, along with Paul Bredel. Paul, how are you? I
2: am fantastic, Jason. Badgers basketball team is one win away from a share of the Big Ten regular season title. And on Friday, the Brewers inked Christian Yelich to a
3: nine-year deal. Let's go. Amazing. Absolutely amazing stuff going on in Wisconsin sports and although my roots go back to their there to you know back when I was a child, I really only support the Packers on an everyday basis but I'm always happy for Milwaukee when they get good news and good sports fortune because the fans really are good. they're invested people and that goes for Packers fans too It's just a good market so I'm always happy when things work out in their favor when the guy stays like I remember back, and I'm dating myself, obviously, but I remember back in like the late eight free agency, and baseball was just starting to big. And there was a big decision of whether or not the Brewers were going to bring Robin Yount back. Was talk about him crazy three million dollar a year <laughs> salary back then, and he ended up staying with Brewers. And just love love that stuff. And don't worry, Bucks fans, we're going to be celebrating the return of your king Giannis soon enough. But that's a couple years, so. Alright, this week, or this yeah, this particular episode, Paul and I are going to focus on, specifically we're going to talk about Brian Balaga, because Balaga is a, a hot topic with the Packers right now. As we're getting ready to enter free agencies, is he going to be back, is he not going to be back? There's been plenty of conversation about it. In fact, Paul, you wrote a nice article on Dairyland Express about it, which um, I'll break down and talk about. But to kick things off, the, where, where we want to start is where we're at right now. So Brian Balaga... Started every single game. Uh, he left a couple games early this past season, but played all played through all of them. Had a phenomenal season. Numbers were great. To this point, early March, still has not had any official contact with the Packers about a new contract. And so that's what's causing a lot of this conversation about do they re-sign him? Do they not? What's the dollar amount? You know, all those kind of things. So, Paul, to, to kick it off, you've got some numbers as far as last season goes. Offensive linemen is kind of, you know, they're not the stat-heavy position, but just some numbers for the folks out there to remind them just how good he was in 2019.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a big thing with Brian Belag is his injury history, which obviously I'm not going to deny that's been a part of his career. But after tearing his ACL in 2017, the last two seasons, he started 30 out of 32 regular season games. And last season in particular, he was really good. Uh, He had, according to pro football focus, he had 612 pass blocking opportunities. He gave up four sacks, four quarterback hits, 19 hurries, and had seven penalties. And keep in mind, this was against some of the best edge rushers the NFL has to offer. Look at who the Packers went up against last season. I mean, Khalil Mack, Everson Griffin, Danell Hunter, DeMarcus Lawrence of the Cowboys, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Bradley Graham of the Eagles. I mean, you name it, they went up against some hard hitters last year, and he and Balaga hung in there really, really well. And just for comparison's sake – because I know four sacks, four hits, you know, what do those numbers really mean? So let's look at Jack Conklin, the Titans right tackle, who many consider the best tackle on the market this year. So he had 617 pass blocking attempts to Belagas 612, so very equal. He gave up five sacks to Belagas 4. They both gave up four quarterback hits. Conklin gave up 24 hurries to Belagas 19, and Conklin had nine penalties to Belagas 7. Now Conklin's going to... earn more on the open market but a lot of that's because of age and I'm not sitting here saying that Bulaga should get Conklin money by any means but my point with all of this is that the best tackle on the market right now in Bulaga had almost identical seasons and if we're <laughs> leaning one way Bulaga was better so he's coming off a very good season and overall, the Packers have a tough decision to make because he is coming off an excellent season. But I can bet that if you put Brian Gutekunst in a room alone and gave him some truth serum and asked him, hey, do you want to re-sign a 31-year-old tackle to a three-year deal for $30 million with an injury history? Of course, he's going to say no. But as I pointed out, he was very good last season. And so that's where the, the difficulty in this decision lies. With
3: So he gave, he gave up four sacks and four quarterback hits. And are those like the same? so I mean is that is that saying that he didn't give up any hits to the quarterback beyond the four sacks no I believe that it's in addition in addition to that's incredible I mean that's that's those are great numbers and for a guy that we've seen not finish seasons and he had the big injury in 2013 which the plan remember was to move him to left tackle that year and then he gets hurt misses the season David Bakhtiari steps in the rest is Ryan Bulaga man's the right hand side of the line they've been one of the better pass blocking units for a long time and if than they were that again last year. And obviously Brian Bulaga coming back maintains that continuity. We use that word a lot. Continuity on the offensive line for for Green Bay because Elton Jenkins is certainly going to be back. Corey Lindsay is going to be back. And Billy Turner is going to be. They paid him; They paid Turner a bunch of money in free agency here. So your starting five would pre- conceivably be the same. And for a quarterback who likes to keep things consistent and his aging that's a factor as well. Aaron Rodgers, as you said, Paul, before we started recording, is 36. He'll turn 37 before 2020 is over. His mobility is not going to be what it was. He's going to have to learn to play within the pocket. If he's... And recently, Rodgers did, interestingly enough, after some conversations, say that he sees himself as still playing at a high level for a couple more years or, or more years. We talk about the contract situation and the fact that you know, for all intents and purposes, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the Packers for at least three more seasons very unlikely to make it through that third season i mean the financial investment that the packers have made so all that has to go into the decision but the numbers are important to look at and for those out there who are saying listen he could get hurt anybody could get hurt the hell thing you've got to you've got to assume that the player is going to play up to the same level that they just you know, Brian Bulaga did not have some major injury. He doesn't have to have surgery on something. He wasn't playing through anything that's supposed to carry over to the next season. Now we may find out differently as the offseason goes along, but you assume when he's playing at his best that he's gonna give Green Bay at least another really good year. Now what adds a little bit of fuel to this, and for those that are on the train of I want Brian Bulaga back, he went on Wilde and Tausch this past week and he openly said that he wants to stay in Green Bay. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that Brian Bulaga is going to just take whatever the Packers give or his hometown discount. But Paul, just real quick, I mean, we talked a little bit about it before we started. Him saying that in the media, because a lot of negotiation, whether subtle or direct, happens in the media these days, that seems to bode well for at least the conversation to start and for Green Bay to have a shot to bring him back, right?
2: Yeah, I would think so. And Like you said, he mentioned on that show multiple times, you know, he began his career in Green Bay, he would love to end it in Green Bay, he even said he grew up here, you know, he met his wife, had his kids here, all of that, but he also shouldn't, you know, from his standpoint as an NFL player, you know, if he can earn more money, he should. You know, these NFL players have a finite time to earn what they, you know, unless they're going to go on and do something else, but earn their career, you know, what they're going to make for their entire life. So if he has the opportunity to earn out more, he should definitely take that. And so just to give you an idea, if you're not familiar, Track has him earning a three-year deal with an average annual value of $10.1 million, which to me, based on his performance, I think that's very fair. But, like I said earlier, for the from the Packers' perspective, they don't typically hand out third contracts to offensive linemen. We saw them move on from TJ Lang. We saw them move on from Josh Sitton. Um, and with his injury injury history as well, that is something to factor in. Um, that's just something that they have to consider in all of this. But I've said it before on here, so I'm going to say it one more time. I'll take 12 games of Brian Balago, over 90% of the tackles in this league for 16. Um, he's just a steady force. He's been very good. So but obviously cost is something that the Packers have to factor in especially with their limited you know compared to last year their limiting spent limited spending power they also have need at receiver um, depth at tight end inside linebackers another big position of need so there's money that they have to spread around as well
3: well the current state of the Packers tackle situation right now which is obviously nowhere near set because we haven't even gotten to the draft and but Jared Valdir is not signed. He's a free agent. So there's been talk about he wants to come back and play, but that doesn't necessarily mean be back in Green Bay. Alex Light is still under contract. Yosh Nijman is a, a tackle that's on the roster. Outside of that, you know, if I'm forgetting anybody, it's probably somebody that play much. You know, and obviously is on the left hand side of the, of the line. It's not a great it's not a great current state of affairs. So as you've said many times, Paul, the, the option to release Brian Balaga is definitely not on this roster. So we can eliminate the idea that Anybody that's currently there can... Can just step in, and then as far as moving anybody around, you know, I I think Elton Jenkins' name gets mentioned. He played so well. I, I wouldn't be a fan of moving him around. I think he serves his purpose very well on the inside, and he was center in college. And I just am, you know, I, I remember Ted Thompson drafted a lot of tackles and moved them inside. I don't know about moving a guy from the inside to the outside. It just doesn't. It's never really seemed to bode well. The few times that T.J. Lang tried to play tackle or his career, he didn't work out well. I remember Josh Sitton trying to move out to tackle, uh, and, and that. Didn't work out well so obviously if they're going to address the position and brian Belaga's not back they're going to have to look to the outside
2: yeah 100 billy turner um i know when he signed the contract originally many thought that he may have been the long-term option at right tackle because in his in his career he has played at the tackle position before but he struggles out there billy turner's a he's a big imposing physical player but he's better working you know, in the phone booth rather than an open space out on the edge. And honestly, I just think that if he was out there for a significant playing time, it just would not end well. And then as you mentioned with Elton Jenkins, uh, he was excellent at guard last year. Um, I think he took a, had a few snaps or games at right tackle during his time in college. But overall, I think he's better at the guard. Once again, he's another strong physical player and works a lot better in the phone booth than he does in the open space so and then of course Alex Light just turned on the Eagles Packers game from last year the Eagles Niners game from last year and I think that does the talking for it so the uh, there are any option that they have at right tackle is not on the roster right now so if Blaga walks they're going to have to either go into free agency or rely on on the draft to solve that problem
3: so as far as a contract goes, you mentioned the numbers, $10 million average per for three years. That's what being thrown out there. You never know what it's going to end up being. You can work in and out of, of those deals. We talked a little bit about the salary cap, and I know that there's a lot of discussions that are going on right now. I think we both agreed that I think the cap is set for this year because EBA really relates to new agreement, which wouldn't take effect until after the 2020 season is over. So that's... Uh, that's something to keep in mind: is that there's not going to be another big jump in cap for this year that's going to come out of the negotiations for a C. Because again, it doesn't really affect 2020. So 200 million seems to be the the dollar amount. I don't know that that necessarily gives the Packers a ton more flexibility and option to bring a guy in. Um, and a reminder, because we had a really good conversation with Ken Ingles about the. Contract situation or the the salary caps in some of those those breakdowns. The thirty percent rule is another thing. As far as structuring a contract, you know, with an older player, you'd love to put incentives in there and get creative with it. But I think outside of of signing bonus, which again, you know, the Packers could maybe get get creative there. They have to be mindful about how they would structure a deal if if they're going to do one with Belaga, right?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And the new CBA or the old CBA kind of the overhang of all this it's playing a big factor on free agency and not just for the Packers but for everyone else and because of that 30 percent rule but the Packers like to backload their contracts so I believe Zedaria Smith you know with his 65-ish million dollar total contract that he's making uh, I think his cap hit or salary in the this past season was only six or seven million, so the Packers like to backload that. So if the new CBA gets done before then, maybe that opens up an avenue where they can bring in Bulaga and then another free agent like Austin Hooper, for example. Um, just because it gives them more flexibility to push, you know, a larger portion of those dollars down the road because the salary cap's been going up each year. So it's smart to take a little, you know, less of a hit now push a little to the next season where the cap, you know, might go from 200 to 210, you know, depending on the CBA and all that stuff. There's a lot of factors out there that are going to determine all this, but this is kind of an overhanging thing. But under the current cap situation, the Packers are a little tight for money and they've been linked to Austin Hooper, Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Joe Schobert. So obviously they aren't going to sign all those guys and they're not going to be able to do what they did last year. You know, maybe they could, do a Belaga and a Hooper or two of those guys, but I don't know. Based on what we're hearing, Tom Silverstein and Jim Osarski from Packers News, you know, they said that the Packers and Belaga haven't been in discussion. Uh, Matt Schneedman from the Athletic, he said he was working hard at the combine, and you know, his best guess is that he's on his way out. So honestly, there just may not be from the Packers end, you know, a willingness to bring him back at what he may fetch in free agents and. Like I said, this is going to, regardless of if Belag is not on the roster, likely going to be a downgrade at the right tackle position with an aging quarterback. And obviously you can understand why there's some concern in that.
3: Yeah, there is a lot lot of variables, a lot of different things that the Packers have to consider. Now, if they can't do the money and they can't sign him. Then the big question becomes, okay, well, how do you replace Brian Bulaga? Do you go the veteran tackle route? Jared Valdir is an option. We've talked about him in terms of what he offers right now. This is a guy that they brought out of retirement to help add some depth to their tackle room last year. I don't think you want to count on that guy to play 16 games in 2020. He could surprise us and play 16 games, but if you're signing him, I think it's for depth Mm -hmm. and to make sure that the wall doesn't fall down, for lack of a better term. So if you're if you're if you're looking at free agents, you know I'd have to think, Paul. If you want somebody stable, you're gonna ha- you're still gonna have to pay close to ten million dollars a year. I don't know why they would go with somebody else in free agents if they're not gonna just try to re-sign Brian Bulaga. Because maybe if he wants to come back, and Green Bay says, "Look, we've got things we want to do. Uh, we'd love to bring you back, but our number is eight and a half or $9 million. You know, Brian Bulaga may agree, and then you're really bringing that guy back instead of bringing somebody new into the fold, having to learn to play next to Billy Turner, learning the blocking scheme and all that kind of stuff. So as far as the free agent route goes, any thoughts from you? Is there anybody out there where you're like, well, I'd be okay if they looked at this or that guy? Yeah, obviously Jared Valdir is the
2: first that comes to mind in his two starts last year. He had 58 pass blocking attempts, didn't give up a single sack, hurry quarterback hit, wasn't even called for a penalty. He filled in very, very well. The Seattle Seahawks with Jadavion Clowney, they tested him early on. They lined him up over him and put him to the test, and he handled it wonderfully. Uh, he's going to come at a, you know a much lesser cost than what Bulaga is. And as good as he was over two games, let's keep in mind, he's a few years older than Bulaga. He was retired. Uh, he's, and I think over a 16-game season, he's going to be exposed much more than what Bulaga would be. So like I said before, he might, he'll, he'd be able to fill in, but it's just not going to be at that same level. And then if they sign him, all of a sudden drafting a tackle becomes a top priority. And I mean, in like round one or two, because like I said, he's, I think he's 33 going on 34 years old or in that ballpark. They likely aren't going to sign him for more than a one-year deal. So now You need to start planning for the future more urgently than what you would have perhaps if you signed Belaga to a three-year deal where he's likely around for two of those years at a minimum.
3: Okay, so Um, draft.
2: So anything to add? I was going to say one potential player – um that could be out there and like you said before if you're going to get a viable option at tackle he's still going to be in the eight to ten million dollar range which is where Bulag is going to be and i'm not going to even attempt to pronounce his first name but vitai of the eagles uh he's Uh, 26 he's 26 years old Uh, he played 331 snaps or pass blocking snaps at tackle last season gave up two sacks eight quarterbacks hit Eight quarterback hits, thirteen hurries. Um, he's projected to be in the eight to ten million dollar range. He is only 26 years old, though, as well. So he's not going to be, you know, Balaga's is better than what he is, but he's a younger player who you would build upon for the future. So you'd have a long-term plan in place by spending the eight to ten million dollars a year, versus Balaga spending the eight to ten million dollars per year, where it's more, you know, it's a short-term option while you go into the draft looking for a long-term solution.
3: Yeah, I mean, if they can get a deal done and they find a guy that's in that wheelhouse, is coming into his prime that it, another team isn't going to move forward with, okay, that it becomes a fluid situation. But if you want to look to the draft, one name that's been rumored to the Packers picking a 30 and there, that's as they sit right now, they could move around, is offensive tackle Josh Jones. The Packers have had an interesting history in drafting offensive linemen over the years, and Brian Gutekunst, as much as he's not Ted Thompson, came from Ted, the Ted Thompson tree, and I think he's learned some lessons from Ted, and even said so at the combine. He's learned lessons so. If you want to go with tackle early and you say best player available, you know Josh Jones is is one name that has been linked to Green Bay and the tendency is not only because belaga has been with the team for so long but because he was picked in the first round that well you got to pick a first round tackle if you're going to replace a Balaga, you got to get somebody really really good. You can't just hope to plug a mid-round guy in there and that's true to an extent, but like I, we were talking about before the show, I don't feel like offensive line and tackle are ever positions where a draft is weak on I mean there might not be as many elite prospects but there's always a lot of offensive linemen that are coming out of school that the Packers could look to and again right now they've got draft picks in every round so they don't necessarily have to spend a first round pick to address it obviously if you're going to put a rookie out there you want one that's played a lot in college and that has got a good pedigree but you know it's not to say they couldn't find lightning in a bottle again and find a, the next David Bakhtiari in round four, or round five. You know, I think Josh Sitton was a, what, a fifth rounder, a fourth rounder. T.J. Lang was a second rounder. And they've missed. They missed on Jason Spriggs. So if they're going to look to the draft, do you feel like that would be a, an avenue the Packers could go and still make you feel confident obviously then you would hope that they've got a you know a veteran that can step in there and start the first couple games they need to then plug another guy in there kind of like what Elton Jenkins did last year although that you know Lane Taylor's injury paved the way. so how do you feel about the draft being the avenue if instead of bringing Brian Belaga back or going to the free agency
2: yeah and in in my perfect world even if Brian Belaga is back they would still address the tackle position within the first three or four rounds. Um, Cause like I said, Belaga may get a three year deal, but there's likely going to be an out after two years. And to me, this is an important position that they need to start planning ahead for. So even if Belaga's back, I am pro drafting an offensive tackle within the first four rounds. So now if he's gone, obviously that gets, uh, you know, I put more of an emphasis on that, um, but I still think they have to go out even if they, you know, they have to go out and get a Jared Valdir and then draft in a long-term replacement. You don't, I mean, that would just be such a huge hole to leave if they don't get Valdir, for example. And I don't think it's it's a slam dunk that they do. Adam Schefter reported earlier this week that there have been multiple teams interested in him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether that's uh, Valdir's representatives putting that information out there to try to get a contract, whatever it is, uh, it's still something that you have to be mindful of. And so you don't want to go into the draft, you know, especially as late as pick 30 and going, all right, we have to draft a tackle. You don't, you just don't want to put yourself in that situation. That's how you overdraft. That's what leads to bust because you feel like you have to take a position. So regardless of whether Blaga is back or not, they in my opinion they have to go get a veteran you know if it's Valdir or maybe they go get Vitae like I said and spend the money which would obviously eliminate the need for spending an early round pick on the tackle given his age but say they go get Valdir they have to draft one the first few rounds for that long-term um, you know reassurance at the
3: position so if they have Valdir do they have
2: to take one in the first round no but early on, they need to be looking for that long-term report.
3: Well, they're going to do it anyway because next year, Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari's contracts come up. So, I mean, they're going to have to draft offensive line and prep for in the event that, one, both of those guys don't come back. I mean, it's – it's Paul, think about this, okay? Worst-case scenario in terms of players that are playing well right now and that we like. We could be going into 2021 with no Brian Bulaga, no David Bakhtiari, and no Corey Lindsley. What kind of thoughts does that – make you have just thinking about that. Like if that were to be the case, like that's, that's where we're sitting right now in terms of contracts. If they just say, okay, we're not paying anybody. We're going to start over completely. Like those three guys could potentially not be on this roster a year from now.
2: That's not a football world that I want to live in. Jason.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I think I just ruined Paul's sleep patterns for the next week. And I don't think all three of them won't be back, but I don't think, I don't think all three of them will be either. I think the Packers have some decisions to make because they still have to address Kenny Clark and decide if they're gonna pay him. Interesting conversations about Kenny Clark and defensive tackle and the value there because he's gonna command some really good money. Somebody's gonna give it to him. Do the Packers value the tackle position and as good as he's been enough to pay him what he's worth or do they decide, hey, we wanna go a different route. The Packers have always seemed to stock up on defensive linemen, whether or not it works out is a different story. They paid Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry was okay in 2019. Uh, I don't know if this is what they envisioned when they signed him. Or if he was a little bit of a disappointment for them, but he's gonna be around for a little bit and they're they're probably gonna have a decision to make there too. Rashawn Gary can rotate in there, I guess, uh, if you want him to. You guys still got Lancaster on the roster. Adams, he's again that this is gonna be a critical year for him. So when you think about all the different needs and all the different positions, all these things are intertwined. So that's that's why I mention all that too, because it's not just about like, well, how do we address offensive line? You have to kind of look at what the overall situation is. Right. Yeah,
2: 100%. It all goes together. And that's the the hard part about this is because, you know, when you go through, you know, if we really went through the Packers needs, obviously tackle, receiver, inside linebacker, Kenny Clark could use some help on the inside. They need some depth at tight end. They need added depth at cornerback, you know. Heck, they need another running back. You know, we don't know Aaron Jones' future. But also, last year was just Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Wouldn't it be nice to have a third option in there as well? So if you go through all the options, there's always needs to fill, and that's just how the NFL is. And you're not going to fill them all with top-end talent, so you have to prioritize. And for me, with all these positions, if Belag isn't back, tackle shoots to priority. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, Aaron Rodgers is going to be 37 this He doesn't move like he know you can still get out of the pocket and scramble but he's not the same Aaron Rodgers with his feet and to me tackles a more important position what tight end and inside linebacker are in this draft class is loaded at receiver so go get them there Um, so that's just my thoughts on, on on the matter I think that you know, if it was up to me, which unfortunately it's not, and maybe a, it's probably a good thing, but I would bring back Belaga.
3: Yeah, I think we're both on the same page there. You at least have to try. You just have to try to bring him back. He's good and too much of a stalwart addition to mm-hmm. not at least try. So speaking of the quarterback... Aaron Rodgers just said, you know, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, and just today Aaron Rodgers talked about the Packers potentially drafting a quarterback, and he didn't shy away from it at all. He said bring it on because he thinks he can beat that guy out, and it doesn't matter who they bring in because they're not going to beat him out for himself playing for several more years of the words that in at a, at a high level. And that would seem to work well for the Packers, if true, because, again, like we said, he's going to be in the fold for the years, and the, the Packers have to decide how to protect but I just we I mentioned it before we started Paul it's interesting because here we are over 10 years later and Aaron Rodgers is starting to feel and say some of the same things we heard another Packers quarterback from the past say <laughs> and I just I just found that interesting just a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra candy for our listeners before we sign off on Rodgers comments and his wanting to stick around and believing that no matter who they bring in he beat that guy out anyway
2: yeah no he's he said all the right things he understands that you know, the Packers if and Brian Gutekunst mentioned it in one of him off season press conferences that he's done that if there's a prospect quarterback prospects that that is available and they love him, they're gonna draft him. However, I think the big difference between where Rodgers is now and where Favre was is who's available. You know, when Favre was the Packers were draft in twenty fourth overall, Aaron Rodgers, a borderline number one pick, or who everyone thought was the number one pick, happened to fall to the in this scenario, nobody's expecting Tua or Joe Burrow to fall to them. It's Jordan Love or Jacob Eason or, you know, whoever it may end up being. And, you know, that's different than, you know, a, a borderline first or second round pick or wherever they may fall being available. So I personally, I hope they don't draft a quarterback in the first round this year. I want them to build around Rodgers. Um Like I said, if Joe Burrow or Tua falls, let's have a conversation. But if it's one of the other guys, build around Rodgers. And he has the right mentality for it. And he could beat out any of those guys without even thinking about it. So um, he said all the right things. He did the right things. But he shouldn't be concerned.
3: I would find it really hard to believe, after everything the Packers went through 10 years ago, that they would do it to themselves again and surprise the face of their franchise with a guy. I mean, again, if a... If, if a good prospect falls, Aaron Rodgers was that in 2005. Right. So he understands, okay, it is what it is, but I'm still going to try to beat that guy out. But I don't see that happening. And frankly, I think the Packers really sh- would be wise to address you know some other areas. And I think, I think that they will. In fact, you had a good little nugget that came out today that was uh, a mock draft. Tell mm-hmm. me about, tell, tell everybody about the mock draft that you saw. Cause this was the, I have not heard this scenario before. We always hear scenarios and what are the Packers going to do? Might they trade out? Might they trade up? This was the first time I had heard this particular theory. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it was just fun to listen to. So let's, let's just throw it out there.
2: Yeah, it was really fun because, you know, the mock drafts, they all have the Packers drafting you know, the same handful of receivers, the same two linebackers. So this was a fun one to see. So Carter Donick of the Draft Network, and if you haven't checked out the Draft Network, you absolutely should, uh, he put out his mock draft. I think it was his fourth or fifth version this offseason. And he had the Packers trading up, which we've seen Brian Gutekunst do before, obviously last year to get Darnell Savage. The year before he traded back and then up to get Jair Alexander. But he had the Packers trading up from 30 all the way to number 11 to get Isaiah Simmons, The I call him a super linebacker, does it all. Played in the corner, slot corner, lined up at defensive line, was in the box, played free safety last year, and literally did it all, super linebacker. Had them trading up to get him at pick number 11. I believe it was from the Jets. And to do that, they had to give up their first rounder this year. So number 30, number 62 this year, their second rounder, and then their first rounder next off. So Jason, yes or no?
3: Well, I say no, just simply because of the four quarterback or a stud pass rusher or the best offensive tackle. No, I mean, I might be okay with it, but I I would say that's, that's a bit rich for me, but listen, I could be eating those words four years from now when Simmons is the best winning the defensive player of the year and (laughs) You know, he's the second coming of insert whoever. You know, defensive players don't tend to. There's very few that are big, big tilters. And we've been treated in Green Bay over the past, what, 30 years to see two really, really good ones in Reggie White and Charles Wood mm-hmm. playing Green Bay and a handful of others that were fantastic. Leroy Butler, who in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully a bunch of others. Um, But for that, yeah, that, that, that would be a crazy move. Uh, I'm all for making a big move and getting an impact player, but that's a lot of capital to give up. And again, for some of those needs that we mentioned that are at least on paper right now, next season, you could potentially for a starting center or left tackle. I just think having a a first round pick is a valuable thing. Just given that. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you.
2: Uh, I'm sure Mike Patton would absolutely love it (laughs) especially (laughs) given his versatility but no I agree Uh, like we talked about the needs of her tackle you know adding to the cornerback room tight end defensive interior Uh, losing a second rounder this year and then a first rounder next year Um, Simmons is a heck of a player but no I'm with you I that's not something I would advocate for.
3: Yep so the next time we get together and Talk. We're gonna have some fun stuff to talk about because the, the legal tampering period will have it's, already started. In fact, I think that starts a week from Monday, if I'm not i mis- I'm not mistaken. Correct. So we'll be back in two weeks, you and I together. In the meantime, you'll find Paul's great work at Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express. And you can also find all of his fantastic tweets. And if you're if you're a Wisconsin sports fan, you'll get treated to some badgers, Bucks, and Brewers tweets as well. So like you like you said, Wisconsin sports good things going on right now right 100 percent. we got
2: three professional teams we got four we got four guys Ryan Braun Aaron Rodgers Giannis and Yelich and we got five MVP titles life is good right now
3: life is good absolutely baseball's right around the corner free agency in the NFL is coming up soon so a lot of fun a lot of good stuff to talk about so Paul good stuff as always thank you and everybody else enjoy the rest of your weekend but don't forget your one last task for the week go Paco